0: This is the Owens Recovery Science Podcast, hosted by physical therapist, Johnny Owens.
1: All right, welcome back to another Owens Recovery Science Podcast. This is Johnny Owens. I'm here with Kyle Kimbrell, and I hope everyone's staying safe during this really, really kind of scary time. It it gets scarier every day. um, So obviously, we're recording this while we're still learning what's going on with the coronavirus um, but everyone hope you 're safe out there, and we 're trying to just bring as much good content in case you're you 're trying to catch up or, or you're bored or whatever. But today is a podcast that that it, 's going to be an essential listen because we have uh, you know, a couple of amazing guys who are doing just really cool work if you 're interested in how blood flow restriction is being done in a team setting, especially in the NFL setting then this is the one that you're going to have to listen to. Um, we're talking with the staff from the, the Los Angeles Rams and, and Reggie Scott is with us. He's the senior director of sports medicine and performance. I've, I've known Reggie for quite some time now. i um, an amazing guy. I'm just going to do his, his a bio. His bio is like all, it seems like every guest we have on call, it's like, okay, their bio is like 10 pages long with all these awards and things. You have to shorten it up. So I'm going to, I'm not going to do it justice, but He's been with the Rams eleven years, and so Reggie was actually with the Rams when they were the St. Louis Rams initially. And, and like I said, now he's the senior director of sports medicine and Performance. Perform. He joined them in twenty ten, and Reggie became the youngest head athletic trainer in the modern NFL area which is pretty cool era. Um, I, I didn't know that. He's obviously been through Super Bowls. Uh, this, you know, on the Rams alone, twenty one Pro Bowl selections and uh, two number one draft picks. Currently, Reggie's also the president of PFATS, which is the Professional uh, Football Athletic Trainer Society. Um, he's, he knows how to do crisis management because when they moved out to L.A., he was running three separate training rooms at one time. And I know I visited <laughs> him out in the hills up there in sort of northern L.A. I, I thought they were going to be kind of like in this, this southern Los Angeles area. And I, I think my hotel was an hour away from where you guys actually were because I didn't know which facility you were at. Um so they, they were named the twenty fifteen NFL Training Staff of the Year. Um and also before this, Reggie's been in Super Bowls with other teams. So he was with the Carolina Panthers, which are good friends of ours. Been some changes up there um as well with what's going on with all the coaching staffs in um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So right off the bat, Reggie was was dealing with two Super Bowl contending teams there. Um, and, and he went to the University of, of West Virginia, which I didn't know as well, man. Big 12, baby. There yeah. we go. All right. And then John Hernandez, who I've known for a while as well. First time I met John, it was in, I think, freaking February in Buffalo, New York, when he was with the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. And I, exactly I did right. this like, Yeah. You know, I, I did a post-Super Bowl kind of, I went and did the Steelers, I went up to the Giants, and I went to you guys, and that was all in February, and, and, a, and a, a, te- a South Texas guy should never do that trip, because I, I thought I was going to die of, of cold, um, and John, too, he's a Southern Cal guy, so <laughs> he wasn't in Buffalo super long, either. Yeah, um, yeah, so winners
2: in, winter's in Southern California a little different than uh, winters little, in Buffalo.
1: A little different, yeah, so he's, he's been, I can't believe it's been this long now, John, with the Rams for five years. Now that's very cool. Um, was also actually before Buffalo at at Carolina and I I didn't know this either, man, you undergrad at university of Delaware. Yes, sir. Cool. I was just there last month. Um, I presented at their sports medicine conference, my first time there in Delaware. Oh, cool. uh, Cool, We went to that little strip down off of campus. It's almost like sixth street in Austin. Yeah, Yeah. Main street. Yeah, straight down. Yep. I felt old, man, but i, I got it down. <laughs> I barely made it home to my hotel that night. Um, but but yeah, it was good. And hey, then hey, obviously, Johnny,
3: uh, Johnny, I'm from Delaware too, man. So you're Delaware the too.
1: Yeah. The smallest. I'm from, I mean,
3: from Delaware.
1: I think my San is as big as you y'all state, and both you guys yeah. are from there. <laughs> it was, it was
3: yeah, you get top to bottom in about three hours. So yeah. yeah, like all the Fortune
1: 500 companies are like registered there. But but University <laughs> of Delaware was beautiful and, and really cool to see. So. Yep. I had fun and then john um went down was at the university of southern california which as everyone knows we do a lot of work with as well so welcome guys um appreciate it thank you man thanks for having us yeah thank you for having us. to have you guys on we've been you know we always talk a lot offline and we learn a lot from you guys and i i think we're able to share new stuff um you guys are one of our teams that are kind of like our um hey let's see what what new things the rams are doing so we can kind of learn and see if we could you know, maybe look at should this be studied or not. So first things first though, a lot of people are kind of wondering what's going on with the NFL right now during this crazy time, other than being locked down from a, you know, as much as you can share inside the training room kind of perspective.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the uh the NFL, um, you know, led by our chief medical officer doctors has really done a great job of, you know, guiding us during this time. I mean, what a what a tough time we're all dealing with. And the number one thing we all look at when we're going through this is you know what's essential and what we need to do, and outside of that, what can we do virtually? And the tough thing about us, Johnny, is doing doing rehabilitation it's hard to do virtual. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. And so when we sat down with it, we use uh, we use DICOM, which is Duke University's Infectious Control um, Outreach Network, who who's phenomenal, and we really get great information from. Them. So we dealt with them, and they put us in what's called an essential medical mode, where we still can do anything um, that is essential medical acute acute stuff um post-op stuff and that's really nice because it lines up a lot too with a lot of the um kind of global cdc guidelines for for medical of our doctors and stuff they're still seeing post-op cares and and all that so um that's kind of the state we're in so we're getting a few guys in we're trying to obviously monitor symptoms and keep our distance best we can and uh you know we're, yeah. we're having we and running from them. um so um <laughs> Going, but uh that's that's the kind of statement so we're, we're fortunate we still can help the guys out and get them get them ready for our 2020 season
1: 2020 season and daikon is nfl everyone's following these kind of same guidelines i guess it's yeah, not just we, the rams got, yeah
3: exactly we got affiliate with them basically through our union nfl pa and the nfl that group um, agreement the cba agreement we use daikon as our infectious control um kind of uh you know call it company if you will that we use and it's they're great. So we can lean on them, not just for this whole COVID out, you know, pandemic, which has been great to lean on for the time, but for all of our different um, you know, protocols and procedures, MRSA, um, any type yeah. of infection stuff we get, flu season. So um, really great company. We're really excited to have Dr. Anderson and those guys on board with us.
1: Yeah, very cool. And, and it's so different. I talked to one of the NBA teams yesterday and Basically, they're just like, everyone go home. You know, they're dealing with like 10 guys. And so yeah. it's way different from y'all's perspective. I remember one team doc who's a team doc for the NFL and the NBA. You know, he said he did one surgery in the NBA that whole year. He did 36 surgeries in the NFL for his team so right. you guys definitely get a, a much bigger hit right from that injury perspective especially the the post-surgical kind of big surgeries
3: right yeah and that's the big thing too is um you know right now the next the next steps that we're trying to deal with is just coming on with how we do like you know the onboarding process and stuff like that I mean you think about it how many guys we have on our team so when we get yeah. started you know how do we onboard how do we you know screen and then what's our emergency action plan if somebody that does have it so um um just can't say it enough shout out to all the healthcare people and the you know people in the infectious control world and stuff they're doing for us man it's it's really amazing during this pandemic time so definitely uh, really
1: yeah. so we barely got in the nfl combine you know so yeah how unfortunately about guys yeah it's crazy that that was snuck in right before all this happened but but now what, what do you do with all that data and all those guys you're supposed to be bringing in right now and it's crazy yeah.
3: We're doing telemedicine, I think. I think we all know this is changing the this is changing the world in a lot of ways, and I think we'll, we're learning a lot of different things. So, like even our rechecks, we're doing through telemedicine now. Uh, yeah. we're, we're literally using Zooms and different Facetimes to look at guys and trying to, you know, look at range of motion, look at videos of these guys doing specific, um, you know, training drills and stuff like that, and then we're uploading it. So, you know, we're 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 really changing how we're doing our draft process right now medically in the past, you know, two or three weeks because we can't see these guys. So. Um, the draft is going on. We're we're gonna get it ready. And so we're trying to get as much medical information as we can remotely.
1: Um yeah. compared to uh in the past. Well, maybe he's shutting all these guys down, all, all those Jones fractures and stress fractures y'all pick up on these guys at the combine, <laughs> they'll actually heal because <laughs> they can't do anything. That's
3: exactly right. Yeah. That stay, stay
1: away from all these crazy, you know, uh high performance places y'all go to and yeah. Man, incidental findings every time because of people going, yep, do
3: doing, doing stuff they usually don't do what they're used to doing, basically, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so um, let's kind of get into blood flow restriction because I know a lot of people want to hear that. You know, feel free if you want to like announce like this is exactly when the NFL is going to start. You know, if y'all want to give any of that information, <laughs> that's great. Uh, that might any, any fantasy that might
0: football help. tips you have, we're definitely down to get that. <laughs> yeah, <know>. yeah. <laughs> Let me call ESPN real quick and give them up. Yeah. Hey,
1: Woj. Um, all right. So, but yeah, Reggie, so years now, I, I can't remember exactly when we all linked up, but, but we started, uh, we did a, a worked with you guys a private training down there, you know, you, you kind of showing y'all's collaborative for y'all even had some of the Cirque du Soleil people there yep. as well. Yep. Um, John Myers was there. Who's yep. a really big name works with the Clippers and, and that yep. whole organization now. So kind of shows the Rams already are collaborative in the way they do things. And so, um, you just kind of give us, let's talk about rehab first. And we're gonna talk about some of the recovery type stuff and other things y'all are doing. Um, you know, Obviously, you're using blood flow restriction for rehab, but you can just kind of just give us a flow of, you know, an injured person, what kind of injuries we do it on, when we start it, what we're seeing, et cetera.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, I'll kind of jump off and kind of give a global view. And then obviously, I think uh, Johnny can definitely jump in there, too. Obviously, one of our physical therapists on staff and, and really, you know, I, I give Johnny a lot of credit. He's. One of the forefronts and really bringing it to us um I was used it at Buffalo and he came to us and and obviously I knew about it was still trying to fill it out a little bit I think that's the big thing people when they first heard it is you know you know how safe is it and stuff like that and and, and Johnny was all over it, and then we brought you guys here so um and we've been using it now for gosh John how long now four, I mean yeah I mean know, since we got here so four right? like four
2: years four five years, four, four, five years. Yep. and yeah.
3: he had absolutely exploded with it so um, but globally, Johnny, um, looking at this thing uh, from a rehabilitation standpoint, probably the primary area for us is a lot of our lower extremity stuff. You know, we have a high level lower extremity injuries. Um, so you obviously all of our post, post-op post stuff, ACLs, um, all of our knee stuff, our surgical stuff in the ankles, Achilles tendons, um, you know, obviously our high ankle, um, even post-injury stuff. Obviously soft tissue too, I think is a big, big component of us. We use it there from a rehabilitation standpoint from post-injury there. Um, upper extremity wise, um, probably, um, yes, we do do uh, a lot of it with our labor and pathology stuff. Um, but, you know, just based on demand too, we just, you know, we have a lot more lower extremity injuries. So that's kind of, that's kind of the world we use it in. Um, but it is a, it is a daily regimen of our, of our rehabilitation. Uh, it's in our, it's, it's, it's in everybody's, uh, you know, progressions. Um, and, and, you know, it is, it's been a game changer for us from a standpoint of it truly does allow us, I call it basically a rehab hacker. You know, it really allows us to do things before we can do things. And, um, there's not too many things out there that I would call a rehab hacker. And, uh, you know, I tell, I tell my, my, uh, staff and I tell my athletes all the time it's probably in the last, you know, I guess 15 to 20 years that I've, I've kind of been doing this, you know, two things that I can think of is, you know, unloaded running, right. The author G's, the hydro works. And and I think VFR are probably the two yeah. things that truly have hacked uh, rehab and allow us to to be really creative and get ahead and do some things in a safe manner. Um, and so, really, really cool about that, Johnny. You want to get in a little bit specifics of some of how we do some of the stuff from a physical therapy standpoint? I think would be really cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, like Reggie mentioned, a lot of the stuff that we do, um, BFR is you know inherently incorporated in it. You know, when players hear that sound, like okay, yeah, I know I have BFR or um, they say they're kind of waiting for it almost as well because they know it's going to be part of the regiment because they see other players using it and they know you know it's on the horizon so and like Reggie mentioned we use it for a, a number of things post-surgically I think you know one thing to note post-surgically as well you know the the group we use with Dr. Elitrash, uh, Dr. Banfi and um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Metopolis you know I think working with you Johnny as well they have you know, are a proponent of it as well. So they're even asking, hey, have you started BFR yet? Yes, it's okay to start BFR. Um, We should start this, you know, at this point. So I think that's really cool for us to see on our end that the surgeons are um, proponents of this and um, advocating for this um, because they also realize the benefit of it um, because they see the benefits. Later on in, you know, six to eight weeks, they see a post-surgical ACL rehab and they see their quad zone has, you know, hasn't lost much since surgery. And um, I think that speaks volumes um, to the progressions. And, you know, I think overall that that makes them feel comfortable with progressing stuff maybe a little bit sooner, not to say, you know, we're necessarily pushing um, the needle and reinventing the wheel. But, you know, if we can improve function early on, can we start to progress a little bit more aggressively? and I think they feel comfortable once they see that with these guys that surgical, and um, to have them on our side being able to push some of this stuff, and also the players feeling the, the benefit of it as well. You know, it's hard to BS to players, but when, you know, they're just about to tap out after that 45th rep, um, they know it's real and they can feel it, and I think that really drives the buy-in is when players can see it and feel it. They're pretty bought into, you know, any kind of sort of rehab and a modality you might introduce them to. And uh, BFR is definitely the one that, you know, takes the cake when it comes to really getting the buy-in from players.
1: That's what's nice is you know you've done something. There's never like a, you know, well, I wasn't sure if if I did anything because you know it and the player knows it. If it's done right by that 45th, 50th rep, they should be feeling like you're doing something to them as well. So – and, and, I, and I love your point, you know, having the orthopedic group on, you know, Kerlin-Job's been friends with us for a long time and have really helped us kind of push this along. And, you know, a lot of clinicians out there that aren't tied to teams, I think when you get that synergy and the surgeon's like, hey, have you started your BFR? And you're talking at the patients, hearing it from both sides, that really helps the buy-in. Because BFR is hard. It sucks, um, you know. And so I think sometimes patients, they hear that ding, ding, ding. You I've heard <laughs> that dean quite a few times. <laughs> so how quickly, um, you know, like I said, I know Curlin Job's been been at this a while and they're pretty comfortable, but but say a, a typical post op ACL, no, no issues. Um, how quickly do you guys typically see that that y'all are starting it or or Neil or those guys are wanting y'all to start?
3: Oh, I mean, for us, I mean, as soon as they hit, soon as they hit our training room, um, you guys, you guys are. I mean, they're, they're. I mean, I'll let Johnny jump in there too. But yeah, we're we're throwing them on them right away, and um, you know, when we're starting our, our table, call it our table movements with our quad sets and things of that nature, we're we're using it right away, um, and so that's the great thing about it. When we start our um, you know straight leg raise program, stuff like that, so early acutely, we're using it um right off the okay. bat, and uh, and it's amazing. Um, you know, you can just see that. That, that that activation component of it, which is, I think, you know, we'll probably talk down that road there, but I mean, it's cool and maybe just we're not, you know, we look at it so much from a hypertrophy standpoint, but I think even from that, just that, you know, that type two muscle recruitment that we get early on is really cool. And so we, we yeah. use it pretty, pretty soon. You say, John?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I think especially for, you know, post surgical cases of the knee and also distally, if you look into the ankle, you know, say we have a, a, a player who had a tightrope procedure or, you know a um ORIF distally into their ankle you know being able to do proximal strengthening and to be able to do some of those things early on with the BFR with low load um we've seen really great benefits from and you know once especially kind of going back into the uh, bone remodeling and bone healing portion of it you know guys who are non weight bearing and have to wait to put their weight down on the on the ground uh to be able to maintain um some of the muscle uh Hypertrophy and strength, and you know, mitigating some of the um, atrophy, I think is really important. Once they hit this milestone of yes, I can start to progress weight on the ground, um, that seems to go a little bit more seamless in regards to you know everything's a little bit more activated and everything has a little bit more girth to it than it did if it was completely atrophied, and we're trying to mitigate some of that stuff. So again, going back to being able to get those functional milestones a little bit more smoother i think is really cool to see
1: um, yeah would be a part and, and the lower leg component is is really a, a big one that so the the most injured long bone during the wars is the tibia and so we were doing this primarily on people with lower leg injuries initially um, we weren't having nearly as many you know knee problems it was all ankle fractures tibia fractures from these ids it would them up in their humvees and, and things and so Preserving the calf was, was huge for us. This, this is something you never see. That hand boot comes off and the, the, the patient has a freaking tibia for a calf muscle. You know? yeah. And then <laughs> from a performance standpoint, you know, the calf is such a power producer in, in athletics and, and also decelerating the tibia um, for cutting and things like that. So um, it sounds like you guys are using quite a bit in these lower leg injuries as well ankle fractures yeah. and things like that
3: yeah i think the cool thing about that too is um you know and i talked to kyle about this we had we had a talk about a couple weeks ago is even the bone remodeling of that like you know it's funny you just talked about the fifth metatarsal fractures we have um we have you know we have had a couple we have one now that we're dealing with that we're you know we're even seeing what kind of bone benefit we can get from it you know getting some yeah. of those um them bone markers to help with healing along with yeah. these, um, these these kind of bone reabsorption markers so you Know we're looking at it as, as we're getting this calf and getting you know some of these things going. You got these RIS, so we got these and you know, fifth minute fractures. Uh, you know, Johnny, they those suckers are tough to heal, man. I mean, yeah, they, they, don't yeah, have, they, they don't have the bone, uh, the um the blood supply and stuff that we need, and so that, um, we know we're thinking in our head too that you know, we're increasing our. BFR um, dosing, you know, sometimes too, like you talked to Kyle about this, doing it twice a day, just hope to maybe be getting some stimulate, some bone remodeling um, yeah. you know, factors with this. So I think that's even a cool another nugget that we're getting the benefits from that, you know?
1: Yeah. That's, that's what I said is this, this is like twofer? like, okay, I'll do this. Um, and by the way, we're going to hopefully keep your muscle quantity and quality. But at the same time, maybe we're also getting this extra bone benefit and and more and more data might be pushing us that direction. We always kind of talk about Brad Lambert's ACL paper or study that's wrapping up that showed preserving bone. Um, And that was the big thing for us at the DOD is everyone had a bone fracture. And so, you know, our biggest funded trial is a femur fracture trial. So we're hoping all the studies are on on dang hold right now. but we also have a stress fracture trial and an ankle fracture trial. And, and now also um, we work with, with Bob Anderson up there at Bellin. Um, and, and so we're hoping he can kind of get some studies going. To, he has such a high volume of these met fractures to see, do we need to do it twice a day to really in the early phases to stimulate some bone? It'll be pretty yeah. cool. We're actually writing a book chapter for Bellin right now. Um, so be awesome. cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what about? And you, the cool thing too, is you had really good buy-in on the strength side of the house. Um, so Ted Rass yeah. was there. Now he's, I'm supposed to be in Philadelphia next week with Ted. That's not going to happen now. Um, yeah, he, he called me, he called me, asked for
3: your number. I said, oh yeah, he's taking, he's taking it to Philadelphia. I almost, I, almost I almost gave him the wrong number. I like we got to play Philly this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't I know. Well, that's what happens, you know, it you, you guys spread out and starts proliferating so all this knowledge yeah. is going to go out no matter <laughs> what.
3: Good for Owens recovery, that's for sure. Bad for the Rams, right? Gosh, guys another another <laughs> stuff. So. Um but no uh, you know that's probably one of the, You know, you know, you know obviously I think rehabilitation as we all know is is, is the is the home run spot for for BFR but I think one of the cool things with I've with, really been fortunate with the great staff and stuff that we've really thought outside the box a little bit, and, and it really resonates with us to use this from a performance standpoint. Um, you know, the areas that um, you know, obviously when Ted was here, obviously he's going now, and um, we just kind of Justin Love from um, Purdue. He's all super excited for it too is the, you know, how to use it in a performance state, and we talked a lot about that, Johnny, And our big home run spots are. It's really, it's how, you know, how can we use this as a potential deload uh, for guys um, from a, just a deload week or a um, call it, you know, when we're periodizing guys and we're getting that week, we want to bring them down a little, but what can we do and use that? And so we use that a lot for some of those things. Um, obviously, from a modification standpoint, it's been awesome, right? You know, in our business, what we're dealing with, you got the arthritic knees, the ankles, um, you know, a lot of different variations there. You got some, you know, low back stuff that we're doing with some of our big guys that, we have been able to decrease load, right, um, and and still get some of these, you know, hopefully hypertrophy effects that we want, and also too, you know, the the, the feeling of state. These guys play like they got a good pump in. I mean, that's that's. I mean, it's it, we all know it's anecdotal, but that's really important, you know, for these yeah. guys from a psyche standpoint. So, um, you know, using it there and, and being creative there is is really exciting. I we get our new facility. I keep telling you, I, I really want to figure out how we can, you know rack system stuff like that where we're we're really BFR as part of our performance training side just as much as it is rehab side
1: yeah very very cool can you talk about a little bit of like maybe some of the the force plate testing that that I heard you guys were doing with using ischemic preconditioning and stuff like that I mean we've talked about ischemic Uh, preconditioning in the past yeah
2: yeah yeah it's cool um you know when I was doing a little bit of research on ischemic preconditioning I reached out to Kyle to you know send me a couple of papers and you know, it was funny because it was all, you know, science and all this stuff and way over my head. Science. So it took me about a few days to really, yeah, <laughs> it took me about a few days to really wrap my, uh, my head around it. But it was cool to, you know, kind of grasp that and then be able to apply it with some of the things that we're doing. You know, one of the main things that we try to incorporate it with is, you know, pre-activity or pre-practice and using those same principles to be able to warm guys up or help to facilitate that warm up. You know, we always talk about, you know, getting the blood flowing and moving around. What what better way to get the blood flowing than to stop it? And then your body, you know, give you more blood. Um, I think it's really cool. And, you know, trying to reinvent how we think about a, a true warm-up. Um, so I know the setting on the BFRs and I know the literature talks about, you know, three, three rounds of five, five on, five off. Um, you know, I won't kind of go into the details of it, but, you know, we've modified that a little bit to be more uh, conducive to pre-practice. Um, warm-up times because sometimes that time frame is a little bit shorter and we've gotten awesome feedback from the players you know players who come in and say they have heaviness in their legs or it kind of takes them up until say the first period which is about 30 minutes into practice before they start to feel like they're going they start to feel that right away and that's within you know maybe a fraction of the time that it takes to do a full IPC um, protocol and mm. to get that feedback from multiple players, multiple skill position players, multiple players that put a lot of volume on their legs, you know, probably putting about like five, six thousand yards on their legs. For them to feel fresh right away and maintain that throughout the whole practice, um, really spoke to them and spoke to us as well. Um, so to get that feedback was really cool. Um, guys started to catch on, you know, you know, it's kind of the same with everything. They see someone yeah. do it right before practice, like, hey, what's that? Let, let me get on that. And then that kind of helps um, the cycle of the buy-in. And then, again, then they start to feel it. And then, you know, they're truly bought in. So, you know, it's kind of that um, mental cycle of, hey, what is that? What's this player doing? What's that guy doing? Let me give it a try. And then, you know, we don't try and push it. You know, we try and have it speak for itself. And the results speak for itself. And once they feel it, you know, we're confident that they, they like how they feel afterwards. And, you know, obviously we have some guys that say, you know what? You know that I didn't quite feel right. Uh, I didn't quite feel as good. Um,
1: yeah.
2: But you know, to kind of go back to the um, the force played stuff. Um, you know, when we use force decks for some of our return play, return to play testing, as well as to uh, um, track fatigue. You know, guys would warm up just on the BFR. We kind of did this anecdotally, just a little bit of a you know in-house experiment, and that was their whole warm up, and their compared to a traditional warm warm-up of just say bike and, you know, some a mini band stuff. They actually jumped better just, you know, with the BFR and you know, mm-hmm. to see that, you know, are you truly really getting call it, you know, type two uh, muscle fiber recruitment and you're doing a powerful movement. Maybe you're just being able to recruit those fibers a little bit more effectively so that with this power movement assessment, um, you're looking at it, you're, you're truly getting a, a good, um, assessment from that or yeah. you know is it just you know you're really getting the muscles warmed up and you're getting blood flowing as you can say yeah um so you know kind of thing if just messed around with but it, so far we have seen really great stuff with it
1: that's and that's that's cool that you actually have the force plate data to, to see this kind of objective measure that they did go up higher um you know they could you know we always like is there a placebo or something you definitely know if you had ipc done to you you had something done to you um but but it is still, that's a pretty objective measure. And, and I like your point, you know, a lot of guys really felt like it helped them. A couple of guys are like, Hey, I'm not sure, you know, and I, we talked about this one study and I know Reggie and I talked together, you know, a while back when you we were starting to implement IPC, you know, probably one of the, the cooler studies that looked at it from a pre, does it enhance performance type of thing, Olympic swimmers who were very dialed in on their times. If they did it, um, pre 400 meter swim, on average, the whole group got better at 0.8 milliseconds faster. But when you're talking about super elite athletes, like what you deal with significance in a study doesn't matter. <laughs> Cause I mean, it's the yeah. most minimal de- detectable change that you have to pick up. And when you tease out all that data, some people actually, they didn't do better when they, when they did it, but there were some, the majority and there were some that they did like extremely better. Like one guy would have come close to Michael Phelps times, um, after doing this. And so, if, you, if you're able to do it and you pick out like on force plate, like this guy's a responder and we don't know the mechanism. Yeah, we still are trying to figure that out. But if that guy's a responder, then, then that's like that's like money in the bank for like a pre-event, pre-game type of thing because you're, you're really enhancing performance legally. <laughs> as, as, yeah. as far as we know, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping WADA doesn't come down on this, you know, one day. But I know, I know. you guys got no
3: chance in a few years time when water starts coming. Yeah, Trust me, uh, they, they see that I hear them all the time about this thing. They're like, yeah, this is obviously all the, uh, all the, uh, you know, the, the, the growth factor, the growth hormones, yeah. and all those uh, factors that come in there. So yeah, you guys are oh. you guys are living on the edge,
1: right? <laughs> well, I had a player reach out who popped hot. Um, and I guess he read some of the, the, the literature and he was asking me if, if we, the BFR did it, you know, and it's he tested positive for a steroid and I'm like, no, this was an <laughs> exogenous steroid they picked up in you. Uh, BFR doesn't put uh, drugs in you, man. So uh, yeah, yeah. And the molecule's cool. Yeah. Yep. What about posts? Do you guys do any like IPC recovery post or movement post with BFR for, to help with that—that that kind of vague term, recovery—but but basically getting your guys back faster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can kinda,
2: uh, yeah, Reggie, yeah. you want to talk, yeah. talk about maybe like some of the um, like the recovery stuff from like Thursday practice, and then I can kind of hit. Yeah,
3: the, yeah. The yeah to kind of get the specifics. That's great. Yeah. So absolutely, same thing. I think from the pre-activation standpoint, the other side of it is the recovery side that we really found a really cool bang for our buck. Um, you know, at this point in time. You know, we've uh, we've termed them, the, you know, the personalized Normatech, if you will. Right? Um, it's like a custom Normatech. Um, it's kind of the cool name that we all say around in our training right now. But basically, um, you know, we have we we obviously kind of use some of the same settings, the IPC stuff that we can get these guys down and and and, and lay them down and and, and get those uh, cuffs on them and just do a a, uh, a quick recovery with them uh, with the cuffs. And and you know, the anecdotal feedback that we're getting from these guys is, I mean, they feel like once they take the cuffs off. Um, they're getting just this profusion of blood. Their legs feel fresh. I mean, some of these guys talk like, like they didn't even practice. Um, so just a lot of great, that positive feedback. And I can't say it enough. You, you kind of know that when you're talking about elite athletes, they're so in tune with their bodies. And I always mm-hmm. tell people all the time when it comes to our products that we use, people come all the time and say, Hey, we got this, we got that. You got to use this. And I always say, they said, you know, what do you think about it? And I says, trust me. I'll let you know if it works because these players know. And they'll tell yeah. you either way, one way or not. And and the yeah. feedback we've been getting from a recovery standpoint has been awesome. I mean, and we started doing it now We're on our Thursday, which is our peak day. So, you know, Wednesday practice is kind of a lead-in day. Thursday is kind of our peak day. We'll bring it down Friday, kind of high intensity but low load. So that Thursday post-practice, we really want to start getting these bodies turned over, you know, globally with the guys. So um, working with the staff, we come with this called post post-recovery Thursdays where we get them in and soon as we uh, we get them in, we will do a 10 minute active recovery movement by a light bike. Um, and then we will get them in a, a good partial position. We got these postural beds that we kind of use and put the BFR cuffs on them and get them recovery. A couple of things, we, we're really big on postural awareness, postural care, I think obviously getting the body in a good spot to almost kind of get a little bit of the sensory deprivation, you know, get the bodies to turn off a little bit by getting them in a good partial position. So you're getting that brain, nap, you're getting a little bit of recovery there. And then we had the BFR cough. So, you know, you're talking about getting this lower extremity, systemic recovery, active recovery. We know all the research out there on that and how big that is. And then obviously having that posture control, we've kind of developed this really cool rhythm um, with using BFR and getting these guys back. And, it's, and, and these guys come back Friday. They feel great going into the game Sunday. Um, so, um, and then Johnny had some cool other cool things, I guess, from the recovery standpoint that, you know, you might have saw. Or yeah. Seen.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, so we started implementing this and then I listened to your podcast about IPC and then, you know, talking about that, that long-term window about, so basically Reg with, with this, um, whether um, there's two windows, I guess IPC really works in it's within two to four hours of um, about, so you need to know, do a pre-practice or, you know, within 24 hours where you do it right after. And one of the studies they looked at is that they actually found benefits and they were able to blunt some muscle damage and the effects of you know exercise-induced muscle damage up to 72 hours after that bout if they did BFR right after the event. And to me, I was like, dang. So I guess we kind of did it without really knowing. Is yeah. you know we're kind of getting to that benefit of Thursdays our hardest practice. We're trying to get them turned over by Sunday. You know that's yeah. within you know 72 hours. You know you're hoping that the effects of a really hard practice don't affect Sunday, but you yeah. also need the hard effects of a Thursday practice to really try and get them to their tissue to adapt for them to hit you know higher speeds and higher loads so that you know by Sunday they're feeling really, really good. And for us to be able to implement that, you know, without really truly knowing, you know, some of that stuff, I think that's really cool that, you know, it backs it up a little bit in terms of timing in regards to how we implement it as well. Um so yeah, we do like a little abbreviated version of IPC. And then, you know, on those other days where Um, Players have more time, we can do the full cycle of, you know, three rounds of five on and five off. And we also do the cell swelling. And again, we leave that up to our players to tell us, like, which one do you prefer? And, you know, every player is different, but I think everyone can agree once you feel that reperfusion from the IPC and have that feeling, that is a really cool feeling players like for the most part Mm because they can actually feel that. So I think more players probably lean more towards the IPC as well and again i think you know being able to manipulate some of the um the parameters a little bit has been helpful as well yeah um i know maybe not exactly science-based you know with the five five minutes um on five minutes off but you know if they feel it i think even just the placebo mental effect of it is even equally as important and equally yeah. as effective as well so even if yeah. we kind of manipulate that if they can feel that i think that really speaks volumes for them
1: you know it is very interesting like on all the way to the other scale here is you know i'm getting ready to do a webinar for the apta's um cardiopulmonary section and we're trying to figure out is there a play for this with post-ventilatory patients or even in icus you know because right now there's so many patients that are stuck in beds and you can't get them up and walk around right now. And, and they're part of the problem is they're going to this deep pneumonias and, and that's a bigger issue. They're trying to, how can we get these people moving? How can we preserve muscle? Um, so even to that point, but, but I've had to go into this deep immunology dive, um, which I, you know, never thought I would, I would have to go down that dive before, but, but what's fascinating is, you know, there's this, this whole activation of this hypoxia, and you get what's hypoxia and, de, and, de, and, de, and uh, HIF-1A, <laughs> hypoxia and factor 1A. that um, comes out from hypoxia, and then what you get down from that is IL-6 starts to come up, and you get, you get basically an immune response. And so you have all these monocytes and macrophages that come out, but what that's key for is that's how you repair muscle. Um, and so the body, you know, when they say you exercise and you actually you get a little immunosuppression and then your immune system gets a little bit more robust, that robustness is your body's way to bring in the muscle stem cells and to start to heal muscle. And so we we're always saying, well, we're doing IPC and cell swelling to to do protein synthesis and slow down muscle atrophy but this immune response might also be why you know your guys are getting this maybe maybe something extra that's repairing their muscle on top of that so whatever the case you know we're getting so many reports want- from
3: Hey Johnny, I'm telling you, you just might have found the the COVID-19 man. Uh,
1: uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Don't 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 put that out. You know, I'll, I'll get a hate mail. Like, oh, look at this guy. He's saying, yeah. We can delay yeah, the release you, of
0: this. It's fine.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we're. Uh, but you know, we're trying to this. You know, people say recovery. Like, well, what are you doing for recovery? It's it's a massive term. You know, does that mean sleep? Does that mean they're happier? Does that mean whatever? And then you know, you guys. Are doing it if they're saying I feel better I'm recovering this IPC these windows might the the blunting of muscle damage could be cell swelling and we're, we're increasing the protein synthetic rates could be this immune response and all the stem cells that you're you're flushing into these guys um, makes muscle recovery but it's pretty cool it's like tip of the spear stuff man it's it's like yeah. at a whole nother level I wish we could put our finger on exactly what the mechanism is but but if it's working it's working yeah. um, I'm kind of
0: curious, um, guys, not to change the subject too much, but one of the questions that we get a lot of times is, well, how do you introduce this? Like, let's say a guy comes over from a different team. It hasn't been integrated within that team uh, they were at prior. Um, Has it become as much of a culture thing for you that people just kind of see it and they're like, well, I should give that a shot because everybody seems to kind of be doing it. Or, or is there like a specific kind of conversation that you have to kind of get going? Are there ways that you figured out to sort of graduate the the implementation of it, those sorts of things?
3: Yeah, I I think it starts with, um, you know, I think we've developed a little bit of a culture. So there is, there is an awareness that when guys come on our team, they see it. But um it's really just it's really teaching the why, man. We're we're big on that. Um, you know, that's one of the things I really preach as a, you know, in our departments that we're really doing is that when we do things, we always educate the players. I and mean, we'll sit there and stop and, and have educational moments with the players and, and break it down to them. These players will buy in. It's 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 you know, you get them to weigh in, they'll get buy-in. So how you get them to weigh in is to have a conversation and and explain to them and ask questions. So we really take our time and really stop and talk about things like that. So hey, I want to, I want to throw this BFR recovery on you. You know, well, well, You well, know, they don't even have to ask why. I'm like, can I? You mind if I tell you a little bit about it and just tell you why we're doing it? And he's like, they're like, you can. I, I trust you. I do whatever you want to do. I'm like, well, no. Let me let me explain it to you because I want you to, I want you to really understand why we're doing this. So I don't, even, I don't even need you to ask me the why. I want to really know. I want you to know what we're manipulating in your body, what we're trying to do. And that really is huge because then, once again, you, you, you get – now they come back and say, hey, I want to get that because I know exactly what it's doing, what it's trying to do. And then also they can feel that response. Like, is, is what he said, is it really working? Is that what's happening? So it's really just education and buy-in. And I think as clinicians, we, we probably get really caught up in, in kind of – I'll call it robotic rehab, robotic kind of training rooms where we just kind of go, go, go. And we really don't stop to understand sometimes that these players have zero clue sometimes of what we're doing. And um, I think that's one of our you know banks for our buck that we use that really yeah
0: Ryan yeah, I know you know in, in courses a lot of times people do this for the first time, and they're like holy smokes that's that's really pretty tight. I'm not sure that my my patient will tolerate that and and one of the things that I learned as I was getting going was, man, my patients really trust me a lot more than i than I thought they did um, yeah. and, and I think they're tougher than i than I thought they were too, um, yeah. and so b f r certainly kind of uh my practice in in that fashion and so yeah i i would agree the education component i think is is kind of huge because people know now well oh, this person's not just having me go through the motions and do this for their entertainment there's actually kind of a purpose behind it and they and they have a plan and i think that something that's that we kind of fall down in rehab sometimes is forgetting to outline the plan for people like look you're at this time point we're doing this this is why we're doing this because we need to get your range of motion before we can really ever start sticking load on you. And we got to let the joint settle or we got to try to prevent atrophy or all these different things, um, and, and kind of outlining that for people. And then people go, Oh gosh, man, this person, uh, maybe they know what they're doing. Maybe they don't, but at least they have a plan. And now we can kind of see, is that plan working? That's
3: huge. That's huge. Samuel, I love that. That's a great point.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, also
2: just to kind of add uh, real quick with that is, um, also just knowing how to, um, how to dose it a little bit, um, and to slowly introduce it, you know, obviously you don't want to break them off the first time again, the VFR. Um, so I, I think just having them try it out for the first time, maybe doing one exercise just so they kind of get the hang of it and then progress from there, I think is real important as well. Cause you know, I've made the mistake myself of, you know, getting all wide eyed and say, Oh, this would be a perfect case for BFR, you know, strap it on. And, you know, I didn't maybe, um, progressed in the way I should have, or I picked a load that was, you know, not 50%, maybe it was a little bit higher than that, or, or not even 50%, 20%. And, you know, for that, that may, may have been a lot of load for them and might have turned, ball, turned the player off um, towards it. So I think that's also an important component of, you know, player education <coughs> is also knowing how to progress it
1: and to slowly introduce it. Yeah, I agree. You gotta you gotta be smart about it. Even using a different pressure, a lower pressure at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At our base, we just anytime we started something new, a new program, we just did it on a Delta Force or SEAL Team Six guy first, and then everybody else wanted it because they thought it was some secret thing. They were, getting. So, <laughs> that's how we got buy-in. Oh, um, right there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. I don't and I I don't want to keep you too long. I know you guys got a busy day. Just quickly because when I talk to teams, Kyle talks to teams or anyone, especially we do these, these combine kind of updates to the, to the leagues. Everyone wants to know soft tissue, you know, what are you doing for a hamstring strain or a calf strain or something? And Reggie, you pointed out something I didn't even realize about, Hamstrings are the second most common injury, is that right?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's, you know, the hamstring phenomenon is always something we're tackling. And, you know, from the league level, globally, we're looking at it. And it's like number one, it's like the number two burden injury, burden injury, so time lost because of it, based on, uh, based on injury compared across the league, um, you know, outside of ACLs. Um, and so, it's it's funny, um, for a soft tissue injury, it's a very debilitating injury for our teams, you know. Um, you know, you guy guy gets an injury, uh, Johnny, you know, we, we, you get a high grade, you get a high grade hamstring, give you get four to six weeks. Um, yeah. Such a dynamic muscle, we know in deceleration and, and rotational forces, and and, and they're uh,
1: recurrent. You know, they just keep
3: coming back. And the yeah. recurrence rates is high, and that's probably one of the wow. biggest burdens, right? Is the recurrence rate, and so, you know, we we've, we're tackling this thing hard from a league level. I think a lot of our club level, we're all tackling it hard from a preventative standpoint for sure, because we know when we get them, it, it's it's a debilitating injury, time 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 loss. But also, um, you know, when you do have them, how can we how can we get them back safely? That's exactly what you're saying. Because probably the number one, um, the number one, uh, when you look at the research, the number one reason for recurrence rate is getting them back too early. We're pushing them. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the muscle and the tissue is not robust and ready to go. And so, you know, you look at all these different things, like we're looking at biologists right now. You see all these people doing PRP injections, the stem cells. I mean, we're all chasing this, this dream of, how can we get this tissue prepared? Um, A lot of things, Johnny, we can protect, right? You know, shoulder instability, I can put a brace on it, you know, Um, Mm -hmm, know, things mm -hmm. can tape, ankles, you know, there's just no way to allow us to what I call, once again, like rehab hack, right? There's no way I can probably hack the system to protect that tissue to get back on the field. Usually, a hamstring has to be pretty robust and ready to go. And so, you know i think yeah you you hit a great question there and, and, and where's this bfr at and and where can it potentially be another hacker for us um and and we've played around a lot with it you know we we obviously um we do a lot of no board testing with our guys along with force stack testing force plate testing and um you know we, we got a lot of asymmetries um uh, not preventively but asymptomatically uh over the years and so we start looking at some different things we can do can we can we do some bfr protocols with some of these guys um are these precursors to uh soft tissue injuries you know um hamstring injuries and stuff like that so we've really been starting to look at how we can just do some low dosing of you know you know body weight um hamstring exercise and we call it peds right prescribed exercise dosing based on the metrics that we're getting so norboard let's say we get a norboard asymptomatic but he's 30 um you know um asymmetry on one side get them on a single leg BFR protocol and see if we get a change, see if we get the asymmetry to go down. Not saying the asymmetry is a precursor or not, but hey, it's something. And more than anything, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's data that we can use, do this, and see see what we get back later on with the data. And we've done that for a little while. Johnny's done a lot of stuff to lead that. And and we saw some pretty cool numbers. Um, Still, I would still in the beta stage of it. We're still not showing what we're getting from it. Obviously, is it really affecting the field, or what I say, affecting change? Not sure of that, but really cool stuff that we're starting to see there, and see if we can start dosing some single leg stuff with hamstrings. Once again, on the preventative side, um, on the on the injury side, John, you want to touch some of the stuff we're doing there from a just kind of post post injury with hamstrings.
2: Yeah, yeah. So similar to even just post surgical cases, you know, we're getting BFR on guys within twenty four hours, and mm-hmm. whether it's just cell swelling, whether it's just doing little isometrics that are not putting the muscle fibers in danger of, you know, being that elongated state. Um, I think being able to improve that blood flow, I know some of the research that you guys have, um, put out there as well in regards to scar formation down the line, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. some of that tightness, the residual tightness, they feel down the line could just be a little bit of scar tissue that, you know, can, you know, maybe be broken up by the improved blood flow and the factors that affect that, um, in the, in the muscle bell and the muscle tendinous area. So, you know, I think that, again, with similar to all the other rehabs that we have, especially with soft tissue injuries, this is kind of a big one in regards to recovery, in regards to doing some early exercise with it, um, in regards to maintaining as well. So, um, like Reggie mentioned, you know, getting guys out there, um, the rehab isn't really done yet. You know, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, they're probably functional. They're probably functioning at a very high level as well. But, you know, is that asymmetry um, resolved? Probably not. And, you know, uh, BFR allows us to have, build capacity and build a robust system after they're back to return to play so that they continue to build endurance and kind of build that up as the season goes on so that it doesn't become a recurring thing. So, you know, once they're out in the field, they stay on the field. So I think building that capacity after even their, their return to play is equally as important for us as well.
1: Are you seeing good tolerance on the hamstring injury with the cuff? Any any issues getting uh, on so acutely?
2: Yeah, no, it's been good. Um, yeah. You know, actually, just within a, a, the past few weeks, we had a case. We got them, on, got them on there within 24 hours and had no issues. And again, you know, that's a you know, grade one to grade two. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. the those higher grade ones are maybe a little bit tougher because of, you yeah. know, the actual pain um, they have. But, you know, so far, so good, I would say
3: yeah and one thing i will say johnny with these things too is we're, we're learning with these hamstrings we're you know we're getting them moving a lot earlier um and and more active movement um you know we, we're kind of almost bypassing passive range and really getting them move yeah. i think something there we're with it um I, I you know even on the field where we're doing uh, marching progressions and stuff like that we're we're being a little bit more aggressive with them on the end, which i think we you know, personally, us from our, you know, our world and with the Rams, we weren't, we were kind of letting that tissue lay down a little bit, that acute stage, letting it out. Mm-hmm. We're early in the acute stage moving them. And I really think that's been a game changer when we're laying down yep. these new fibers, um yep. down appropriately, but we've been using BFR with that. So I think we're, you know, once again, anecdotally thinking, theory thinking that we're getting this, like he says, we're getting this perfusion, and scar formation uh, loss decreasing, and we're getting better tissue laying down in theory, we think. yeah. Uh, so, the, almost like the movement with BFR early, um, we think we could be, you know, I'm getting a little, getting a little secret sauce here. So, um, but
1: (laughs) yeah, well, and you know, there's a, um, a slide I use all the time It's from one of our lead scientists at our base, um, big BFR, one of the guys that really taught me a lot of it. And, um, a, a rat model, he put a soft tissue injury on the rat. So basically inflicted a wound on the muscle. And 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 didn't let the rat move for six weeks, and it was just amazing the amount of scar tissue there. And then he's got a he's got a, a second histology set where the rats, when they forced them to run at week one, um, basically three quarters of a mile, and kept running, forced sprints, almost the the muscle almost completely remodeled, which is you know so y'all, you you got to start thinking like what am I doing almost at that first week? It's like making a rat. Don't, don't call your players rats, but yeah. making them sprint, you know, three quarters of a mile and that in a quarter of a mile every week um, sprinting. And it actually had a remodeling effect. And, and so that's where the scientist was like, I think this is kind of this anabolic signal that, that like you said, Reggie earlier, let you do stuff when you're not really allowed to do stuff. I, I love it. That that really resonates with me in the
3: trench level in the, in the clinic. Yeah. I think that, that really makes good sense. I'm glad you shared that with us because uh yeah that's what we're feeling the ceiling too, because we get those guys that we move better. And then when you start doing soft tissue work on them later when we wanna do start doing some of that stuff, I'm telling you, you feel a lot less of the uh you know the scar that scar tissue that you can feel sometimes with those guys. And I yeah. tell you, that reoccurrence rate, a lot of times we'll have two guys who go out there and return to play and they'll have these sensations of they restrain. That tightness, uh, yeah. We got tightness, but they recover a little bit quicker than a acute strain. It's them breaking up scar tissue, right? It's kind of a yeah. uh, self-manipulation. So, you know, reducing some of those things, I think, are, are are critical for return to play.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I think it was about seven years ago, Paul Silvestri at Florida reached out and was like, hey, man, what do you know on hamstrings with this? And I was like, nothing. We don't get those in the military, really. And uh, he, he was like, yeah, we're, we're starting to see some interesting things with these acute hamstrings. And he was like what you said, Johnny. He, he was doing it you know, almost like 24, 48 hours post, post strain. And so I think a lot of people are real nervous if you're not used to BFR or getting the cuff, you know, on there, like I've always said, we're doing this on fresh femur fractures, right where the surgery was, where the IM nail is. And um, we're not really having any, any issues with it. So, you know, getting them moving right away and putting them yeah. on there That's huge. We got have you got, have, have you guys
0: seen that, you know, maybe you're able to start sticking load across that hamstring faster because you've, gotten them more active on the field, but then also more active with BFR? In my mind, that's just kind of how I think it goes. Um, But I'm just kind of curious your experience with that regard.
3: I I feel what you're exactly right. I feel that what we're seeing is a better subjective um, feedback from a patient feeling better. There's just this, there's this, we're getting, these guys are feeling better quicker because of what we're doing early on that allows us to, what you're saying, is to allow us to do a little bit more load. Um, and, and we're playing with fire a little bit because I think you got you got subjective feelings with hamstrings, and you got what the tissue and what the capacity of the tissue is, right? And mm-hmm. so we got to balance that, and it's hard to know what the, te- the capacity of the tissue. That's what we're playing, and that's the game of I think in in sports, right? We're always you know, where this tissues, you know capable of handling this load, but we want to push that envelope. I always say be aggressively smart. But I will say the subjective feedback of guys feeling better and wanting to do more quicker. I've seen a huge increase. And because of that, we have allowed to push the envelope a little bit because I, I, I don't know if this tissue is truly capacity ready because I'm, you know, it's not like I can, we're not doing repeat MRIs. I can do anything to know if this yeah. tissue is ready. So we're going off the subjective, but it is matching up with when we have done it. We haven't had any setbacks, we haven't had any issues. So uh, to answer your question, I hope I did in a way that, yeah, we are seeing that low capacity, we're increasing a little bit. Really, I wouldn't even say low capacity. I would say we're moving them a little bit more aggressively. We're doing march progression. We're doing kind of more of high knee progress. We're starting different things on the field. So talk for a progression be like almost like an active range of motion earlier versus it used to be more passive, more of a, or more of a static. Let's get the tissue to heal. We're Some active movement. elongation. Yeah. Active elongation with BFR early. Yeah. We're noticing our progression on the field and some of those things are a lot sooner um, and Then we still we're still probably loading a little bit later I would say in terms of the load management we do a lot of obviously eccentric stuff deceleration stuff but um, movement pattern wise really cool stuff
1: really cool just stuff. had a, yeah. pa- a paper come out a couple weeks ago with uh, U.S. Olympic team guys and, and how they're trying to use some some ultrasound imaging to to understand that muscle capacity Um, from hamstring injuries as well. So,
3: you know what, Johnny, Johnny, I mean, you're in your I think the world of you when it comes to science and stuff, you're you're, you're, you're the Coach K of science, man. So, (laughs) um, one one big thing about hamstrings that's really tough for us right now is, I'd be honest with you, it's really our grading scale. I mean, when you look at our grading scale, I mean, grade one, two, grade grade one, two and three, we're, it is, I mean, there's so many variations of grade ones. I look Mm at a ton of MRIs over the years. And I mean, you're talking about when you look at that tissue damage, um, there's so much variation. And so I really think even from from the post-ultrasound kind of start looking at tissue and how it's remodeling and stuff, we still need to go back to the criteria. I think we need to really reevaluate what is a hamstring strain and how we grade
1: them.
0: Yeah. yeah, the most yeah. recent or muscle strain review paper actually said that, Reggie. They were, they were like, you know, the grading scale, is, it's kind of all over the map. It's almost kind of not that reliable, even when you image with an MRI and it's really, you know, whatever the fancy T3 weighted are. It was almost like, you know, if you were skilled in the assessment of muscle strain and a good physical assessment, you were getting just as good a, a result. You know, and, and then I, I kind of referenced that, that Jack Hickey paper to you guys before we got on, um, but they used, they looked at pain threshold training with, um, after hamstring strain injury versus not. Um, and what they saw was that it kind of didn't matter. Like both groups, either the, the stayed away from pain or went into pain with their hamstring strengthening exercises, either returned to play around the same time they had a similar amount of re-injury. But what they saw is the people that trained into pain actually had better pination angle and they had better strength in their knee flexors. So, um, yeah. you know, we, we, we worry about pushing these people. Um, but it, it's kind of a worry. It's not really founded in good, hard science. So yeah, it's a,
1: it's a cluster. We're having to move into a cluster of findings now, you know, it's kind of like with, with x-ray imaging of, you know, everyone's like, is the bone healed? And the doc's like, yeah, it's been six weeks. Yeah, it's healed, you know, and so, you know, the trauma, I was part of the group, they had to put out what the it's called the rust classification now. It's a whole cluster, you know, do they have pain when they walk? Is there swelling around the fracture site? You know, you just can't look at the x-ray anymore and say, yeah, that's that's a great three. Um, you have to, like, say all these things together, and so that's where the people like us, and you guys especially, they're on the front lines. I think you already know, just... <laughs> Just kind of being around a hamstring, where this thing is, and how bad or great it is, and and maybe what the capacity is, and let imaging also add to it. Well, I want to be super cognizant of your time again. Just last thing on that: Are you guys doing any BFR with the PRP, like pre-BFR PRP? Do your guys do that? I know Orlim Pavostia, KJ, and I have talked a lot about stuff with that, so. Yeah, so
3: you know, I think in our setting, it's 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 a little tougher. Um I know you, we me and you talked a while back with that, and I thought that was really cool to kind of do that. Most of our cases, I think, in the world, when we're using PRP, right, we're using PRP probably in season, right? We're trying we're trying yeah. to hack the system to get back a little bit sooner. So typically, our 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 PRPs are Monday after game. Obviously, guy has um you know guys an injury, and you know within. You know, pretty much that day pretty or whatever, we're, yeah. we're, we're probably going to go going, going and doing it, you know, and, and joints and stuff of that nature, too. Guy comes in with a hot joint that, uh, you know, Dr. Elatros I think, has been phenomenal in the world of biologics. He's really on the front line with it. And curl and Joe have done a great job. But guy comes in with a swollen knee. He wants to quiet the knee. Day. he wants to give a little bit of um, a little bit of biologics to it. We're probably doing it right then and there. So yep. I think based on our environment, um, and how we're using biologics, it, we really haven't been able to chance to say, "Oh, you're using biologics. Let's get a little couple of days of BFR on it."
1: Yeah, that but window's tight.
3: Yeah, our windows are so much tighter. So, um, haven't had an experience with that. But guys, that makes some really cool sense theory wise. Yeah, and uh, just from that, to be interesting to see what you get over time. And it, honestly, I'd be honest with you, if, if you know if some cool stuff comes out with that, and and it's you know, you know, talking to Dr. Elatros and talking to our team, if it's something worth sometimes for us to wait to maybe get a little more bang for a buck. Uh, that'd be that'd be a great you know great, great new regimen for us to try to use.
1: Yeah, we're working on it. I'm, I was supposed to be down at the new Arthrex facility next month, but that was one of the things I was going to push with Arthrex. Is hey, you guys want to fund a big PRP study with us? Oh, so that'd, be, cool. uh, that'd we'll be
3: really cool. Yeah, that'd be yeah. really sick. That'd be cool to get some of that ACP stuff and look at that and see if we see a little bit
1: better there. So um, for sure, uh, we're getting pretty good results with it. So it's been cool. cool. Anything lastly that you guys want to? want to wrap up here with before we get back to the COVID life? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, no, I, I think really at the end of the day, I just can't say it enough, um, Johnny. I think two things. I think, first of all, the product speaks for itself. Um, um, it's one of the biggest game changer products in, in, uh, in like I said, the past 15 years for me. So just, I uh, can't appreciate it enough and how you helped the profession of rehabilitation in us. And, and then I think more importantly too, I think having podcasts like this and, and just you supporting uh supporting everything with so much science is so powerful. One of the toughest things I think in our world of rehabilitation and a lot of our products is we don't have a lot of science about a lot of stuff that we have out there in terms of modalities. We really don't. Yeah. yeah. Especially a lot of our newer modalities. So for you guys to um really keep everything science-based first and really uh, and, and push it with science is uh, very refreshing and and, um, and and we can't thank you enough for what you guys do and how supportive you guys are and, and more than anything having us today. It's been really awesome.
2: Yeah, and Johnny, just to kind of add to that real quick, um, to feedback on what Reggie said, I think the thing that's really cool is, you know, you guys back a lot of stuff with science, but you also are very grounded in your application and yep. grounded in, you know, what's real. Uh, I feel like you guys have a really good comprehension of you know, what practical application is like, you know, in our settings and in the mm-hmm. clinical setting. So I think having that understanding is really awesome to have because sometimes you can get lost in the science. It yeah. kind of gets lost like, oh, this is this, this and that. Well, at the end of the day, how do you apply it? How can we use it? And I think bridging that gap is something you guys have really done a, a great job with. And, you know, if I kind of see the progression of uh, when we first took the course. <laughs> um, I first took the course about like six, seven years ago and to see um, yeah. how it's applied now and how it's being used, From first the rehab set, well, first, you know, from the setting that you started in with the DOD, how it's kind of uh, shifted into the rehab and hospital setting and now, you know, going to the performance um, kind of avenue and and setting, I think it's really cool to see that evolution. So I think that's more so a testament to you guys.
1: So. Thanks yeah. again. Awesome job guys. Yeah, it's been awesome. Well, next time you see me, I'm going to be gloving gowned and working in an inpatient ward. It, trying, <laughs> yeah. trying to, to measure year. immune responses. You're
3: going to have a hat mask suit on, huh? Uh, no.
1: yeah. I already have one when I go to the grocery store. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, well, thanks guys. This has been amazing. Um, so fun talking to you and I hope to be out in LA again and Colin, and and I can go hang out and see what, what cool things you're doing yeah. appreciate it you guys rock yeah. we love you absolutely
3: we want to get you over there Cobb. unfortunately we had a social distance so we'll forget to I know you.
1: man
0: we'll make it happen one of these
1: days yeah. you're like you're like every girl in LA social distancing from Kyle we <laughs> 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 uh,
3: <laughs> the, it the podcast, I'm sure uh, gonna, <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram and kind of help that <laughs>
2: uh, hysterical oh, alright man thanks funny. guys
1: alright guys thank All right, you cool. thank you
0: Thanks for listening to the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Owens Recovery Science is a single source for PTs, OTs, ATCs, DCs, MDs, and other medical professionals seeking certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com.